Hello again. My name is Mason, and you are once again listening to Level Zero Literacy. This week, we are bringing you Not for Broadcast, a game that we had a ton of fun with. You should know going in that we're going to discuss some things that uh, include, but are not limited to, fascism, nuclear war, euthanasia. So please be advised, use your best judgment before listening, and once again, thank you for tuning in. folks, and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. I'm Sam, and I'm once again joined by my co-hosts, Buck and Mason. This week, we're going to be talking about a personal favorite of mine from 2022, Not For Broadcast. Not For Broadcast is a self-proclaimed propaganda simulator that was developed by studio Not Games out of Britain and published by Tiny Build. It was written and directed by Alex Patterson. NFB, as we will refer to it as a lot, is a full motion video game, basically a game that uses video footage as its main way of showing its story, and found inspiration from other FMV games such as Night Trap and Her Story. You play as Alex, a person who has found themselves in the position of a switchboard operator at a national news station. At the start of your career, A new political party is coming into power and you are faced with making split-second decisions that impact how people view the world, all while trying to keep the ratings and viewership high and also dealing with the fallout of your actions and your home life. The general big themes that we're going to see in this game are authoritarianism, objectivity and neutrality in the news, and dealing with political fallout. Any other big themes y'all felt as you played through this game i I think you covered the big one that i was that i'm going to talk about which is control loss of control and how that squares up with like ethics and obligation and things like that i think a big thing about this game which you kind of implied but in a lot of games they try to say like choices matter and then that's really superficial but in this game you hold the fate of dozens of people throughout the choices you make. And uh, I think that's something that it does differently than a lot of other choice-based games. It's like a big thing is you just determine what happens to like small individual people throughout the game. Yeah, Honestly, to the point where it's overwhelming sometimes. Yes. Where (laughs) things you think you would never actually have a grasp on are more within your reach than you think they are. And that's, to be clear, very on purpose, right? That is by design that everything is overwhelming and in a lot of cases, just awful. Just absolutely terrible to think through. Well, well, this is perfect because so let's just, let's get into, I think this is a good way for us to get into the gameplay elements where as a switchboard operator, you are basically fully assaulted at all times with a bevy of different things and in addition to that if you're playing the game on one of its higher difficulties most of the episodes will have you managing an additional menial task that could cause issues if you don't tend to it yeah i I, this was one of my big things that i thought about the game is that i almost think that it would be more enjoyable on lower difficulty settings i normally play games on the normal just like the default difficulty settings because i usually believe that that's what the game is balanced around but not for broadcast i i liken it to keeping plates spinning like a like a carnival act you know what i'm talking about 
Yeah. That doing everything and still trying to think through choices and like understand what's happening with the story can be pretty difficult at times. Mm so let's let's take a step back really quick obviously we have all suggested to all of you that you should be playing this game ahead of time but for those of you that didn't let's just for a basic breakdown of what this gameplay feels like while you're sitting at your switchboard you have four cameras that are positioned in different ways uh for different parts of the news broadcast you can pick between each of the cameras and generally there is a an objective best camera cameras that you should switch to for more reaction or uh, just to like kind of break up the monotony of having one shot and then things that you shouldn't be focusing on you also have a sensor button which you need to hit whenever a character says a swear word and then later in the game you can also censor propaganda for the governments and then in addition to that there is essentially what is an interference switcher where you have to bring the broadcast of the studio to the right sort of interference to make sure that it is still being broadcast to everyone and it's not getting fuzzy you know you don't want the broadcast to be unwatchable for the people at home and in addition to this each uh, episode usually has one gimmick for example in the broadcast called the heat wave there are a set of lights to your left that you have to keep a fan on otherwise they will overheat and cause your power to get messed up so that's just kind of a basic overview of some of the plates that you have to be spinning while you are working throughout a day i think everything tied together pretty well i think nothing came off as out of place none of the individual mechanics like fell flat or anything and they even manage and i thought this was super creative they even managed to do very interesting things and give you choices to make with the with the plates you have to spin, right? With the signal and the sensor button and the camera. As you touched on earlier, it's not just a sensor button. You'll, you'll eventually be asked by political parties, the powers that be, to censor messages that they would rather not have the people hearing. With the signal distortion, at certain points in the game, some dissidents can hijack the signal of the news station... And then you can like choose if you would like to run the hijacked message over the actual news. And there are other points as well with cam- there are many points in the game where you can change camera angles to show things that the powers that be right would not want you showing. I think the cameras is like the easiest thing to conceptualize. Sometimes things show up on camera that should not be broadcast or aren't in certain people's best interest to broadcast that you can move around, change camera angles and end up broadcasting for, you know, to whatever the consequences might be. It it took a lot of forethought to be able to turn these random mechanics stuff to do while you're watching the story unfold into choices themselves. I thought that was incredibly cool and incredibly difficult. Like, the idea that these split second decisions you're making are going to have impacts that impacts that follow you throughout the rest of your playthrough is insane to me that they were able to put that put a game of that quality together and one one other gameplay thing i'll mention that we haven't touched on yet is the rhythm game element which 
interestingly, I was pretty bad at, and I don't understand why. But during musical numbers in the game, if you switch shots to the rhythm, you can get better scores, which leads to better ratings and stuff. And I thought that was a really creative way to do it, even though I somehow didn't understand it playing rhythm games all my yeah. life. Embarrassing. And, and it's funny because the games at the, the rhythm at the start, the songs at the start are easier than the songs towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Like they actually do scale it because the first, I think the first song you do has a pretty steady rhythm the whole time. And then the last song you do, the rhythm keeps changing every only 10 seconds or so. So it's much harder to like keep your finger on the pulse. Now, the other gameplay element that we actually haven't talked about is the incident oh. system. So between the broadcasts of the game, because as I brought up earlier, there is the consequences of your home life. You are presented with different situations in your home life you can make decisions for. The first thing that happens is the government, which the new government is a far left party. And one of the first things that they announce is that they are confiscating the passports of all of the highest earning people in the country so that they have to pay their fair share of taxes before they can try to leave. Your spouse's brother shows up at your house, set, tells you that his passport has been confiscated and is asking for your passport to be able to flee the country and put his money in an offshore bank account, so to speak. So there are different levels to the things you do. There are choices that you make earlier in the game that don't come up until much, much later on down the line. But the key element of the incident system, as the developers call it, is to show how some of the decisions that you make while you're in the news station affect you on a more personal level as a person to kind of ground the absurdity of these are global events that are happening that are happening in front of you that you are influencing but here's how they are affecting you as a person in the game. I wasn't the biggest fan of this system. In a lot of instances, it kind of fell flat on its face for me. In other, I mean, there are scenarios, there were certain aspects of it that I liked, certain things that I think sort of fell outside what the scope of this game would be in a more perfect world. One of the policies of the far left party that takes power in the game is the right to die so they open centers where people can voluntarily euthanize themselves if they are like very old or terminally ill and instead there's no way that a game of this size and length is going to be able to cover all of the philosophical ramifications of that all the ethical ramifications of that and i think it is an issue that a lot of people think about or most people think about in some capacity and have their own ideas about so i don't know why i need to have moments in the news broadcast propaganda game where i have to meditate on would i allow my delirious and senile mother self-euthanize. Some, some of the things in the incident system felt a little awkward. Now, so, some of the things in the incident system feel really cool. It, it came off as a little less polished and less thought through than the main gameplay to me. So 
I don't entirely disagree with you, but my negative feelings with it come from a kind of different place. Because, like, I think forcing you to engage with that is kind of interesting. It's not your real mom, right? Right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do kind of see where you're coming from. Because, like, I guess the big thing is you have binary choices. And you don't know exactly what those choices are going to do. Like, the first choice with your brother-in-law coming in. My issue, like, the way I approach that is a government who looks maybe a little totalitarian, right? Right. Is coming in. My brother-in-law is asking for my passport. I'm gonna say no. Not because... I agree that people shouldn't be overwhelmingly rich, but I'm going to say no to protect my direct family over my extended family, because that's my personal view of that, right? But then my virtual spouse is upset with me, so that one decision makes my spouse upset with me for, like, years. <laughs> and so, like, that... I think that is more my issue with it, as opposed to some of the more forced to engage with things. Uh, what, did, what did you do with your mom? So I never ended, I spent a lot of money getting mom expensive treatments and things like that and never sent her to the voluntary euthanization at all. And she was alive at the end of the game. And she, I, I think in the epilogue, she like ended up dying, but I kept her alive through the entire game. And I understand, I really understand what you're saying, uh, where certain, there's not the certain consequences and the certain weight of actions is not like fully. So a lot of people, when they talk about this in games, not understanding what a decision is going to be before you get to make it, right? Generally, people say like, oh, I, in Fallout 4, I hit the dialogue option and I don't know what my character is going to say. And on one hand, in this game, I do like... That much like in real life, when you make these heavy weighted choices, you don't know what the fallout's going to be. You're just going to have to kind of do your own internal calculus on what you th and, you know, weigh your own ethics, weigh your own philosophy and what the state of the world is to figure out what the best option will be and then just kind of deal with it. However, there are some things and I will spe specifically, like you said, the brother-in-law using the passport where it's like, you turn down giving your brother-in-law the passport, and then the next line of dialogue is like, oh, you knew how much uh, your spouse's brother-in-law yeah. meant to them. It's like, yeah. well, no, I, I didn't. I, I, Yeah, <laughs> that was... <laughs> I, yeah. I think the... Generally, I think the incident system is a symptom of being a game made by an indie studio, where... It's definitely something that if I think if they had more time and resources could have been polished out and fleshed out a lot more, but ended up taking a backseat just because of the overwhelming amount of work that they had to do for the main part of the game, which was the broadcasts. I will say, I, do, I will say the incident system, sometimes it was not good for immersion, but sometimes in some in aspects, it was very good for immersion because there is a system in the game where you can invest your salary into certain companies. And I would get to the incident portions of the game and I would see like, oh, my family is like currently living in squalor. I really need to make more money. 
uh, and then I get to work and it's like, okay, time to choose the advertisements to the day for the day. And there's that one nice shining one. That's like, Ooh, this is the company that you invested in. Don't you want to play their advertisement and make them more profitable? And every, every single day I did, I played a Neil's crazy deals ad every day because I had invested with them. It genuinely was like helpful, but I know what I was doing was like super unethical. It's not, it's kind of akin to insider trading or market manipulation, I guess. So now that we've given folks a pretty solid basis of what this game is like, let's move into what I'm sure we have a lot to say about, which is the story. So I'm going to break up our flow a little bit from normal, and I want to get to our one moments, and then we can take those and break out from there into the general overall scope of the story of the game. So Mason, why don't you start us off? Okay, I'm sorry if I'm about to steal someone else's one moment, because this was the single most emotionally gut-wrenching part of the game for me. And make no mistake, I've been levying a lot of criticisms up till now. This game is immaculate. Sam literally had to warn me going ahead of time that it was going to be emotionally very heavy. And Sam was right, it was. Uh, Throughout the game, I had been supporting the far-left advance party. Because I personally am very far left. I loved their policies. I did everything I could. I even stepped over my own sort of personal philosophy at one point in the game to censor a political dissident who was performing music on the channel. I was pouring my whole self into making sure Advance was doing as well as possible. At a certain point in the game, the capitalist countries surrounding the country you're in, Fantasy Great Britain or whatever, all create a blockade around your country and people start starving. It's sort of akin to what the U.S. has done to Cuba. The, The flow of natural resources stops the economy tanks. During one broadcast, you are told that there is a special message that has been brought in from the prime minister of the government and you put it on and she says that she has launched nuclear weapons all throughout the world and has detonated one. You get to see and feel the shockwave of it, which is kind of crazy. But she says, uh, we've, we've just set off a nuke. We're going to set off more if this blockade doesn't end. And then like sort of the weight of the world like all hit me at once. I all of the choices that I had made that brought them into power came rushing back to me. All of the things I had done that I felt were like a little bit immoral, but for the greater good, all came rushing back to me, and it it like almost made me sick to my stomach. The idea that this party that for you know in in a video game or whatever, but I like believed in and tried my best to help were these horrible, murderous warmongers that were willing to go to the nuclear option rather than play nice with the rest of the world. Can I hop in here? Please do. About Okay, so here's the thing. You need the... I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you, but I thought out of most of the things that the far-left government eventually ends up doing in the game i thought this was actually i don't want to say realistic because just going the nuclear option is not 
you know, they have the power to do it or whatever. But I mean, what is a far left government surrounded by capitalist countries going to have to do to exist? You know, and I, just I'm just going to sorry, just really quick. I'm going to drop in a little additional context to Mason's moment because I'm sure there are a few things. Not only do they uh, plant nuclear devices in multiple major cities in countries surrounding them, they also force all of these countries to become annexes of what is essentially 1980 an altered 1980s Great Britain. So not only not only are you planting nuclear devices in major cities around the world, killing millions of people and threatening even more, you also then violently annex an un- unknown amount of additional territory. And I'm not trying to defend them. I'm just asking the question, you know, I'm not even playing devil's advocate because that's stupid. It's just when you're as constricted as the government appeared to be, which, you know, we can't even trust everything they're saying, right? Unreliable narrator. What, you know, it's weird because, like, I hated this and a consequence of this war made me turn on the government, right? Right. Right. And you want to expand why don't you expand oh, yeah. on that really yeah, quick yeah. before you push So in the choices that I made, I got on my wife's bad side not giving my brother-in-law his passport. I got on my son's bad side because he asked to go out. I let him go out. He was late. I let him go out on a school night and he was late. I'm going to, I got to do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then... You know, my daughter asked for a trip when we've got the money to send her on a trip. And I'm like, well, at least I can do something for her. And uh, she goes off to the country that was nuclear bombed. That happened to me, too. (laughs) That maybe this is just very personal for me because I'm relatively recently married trying to get a family together. But I really attach myself to my family in this game. And that happening really upset me it turned my alex against the government pretty much completely for a while for for reasons we'll get into i could not stay with the uh opposing party that exists in this game but i think it's interesting to think about going back to my original question realistically in the world what is a far left government going to have to do to exist if not something like this if they're actually being constricted. Like, the the options are violence or nothing, right? Violence or die. Which I thought they demonstrated very well with this particular moment. And I mean, obviously, it's, it is not the correct... I, I don't think they made the correct choice, ultimately. But I do think that was a very... In terms of bad things far-left governments can do, I actually think this is one of the more realistic things they did relative to things they did later in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it could be... It could be very easy. In fact, we've seen it a lot in a lot of recent movies, video games, uh, TV shows, where the authoritarian government is a far-right government, because that's very close to what we're used to in the USA. Or you have some like weird, philosophically twisted, not real, like leftist thing. A lot of people go back to the trope of, leftism is totalitarianism once you move too far to the left i didn't feel like this game presented a anti-leftist message i felt like it was not this heavy-handed anti-communist 
like Drek that we've seen a lot of, I feel like both Advance and Disrupt were presented as very philosophically flawed options with legitimate upsides and downsides, especially at a point in the game that I got where you learn what Disrupt might do if they got in power as well, like learning that the alternative is probably not going to be much better. Even as as I started taking my efforts against advance because they're they had like all this blood on their hands, mm-hmm. I I thought the game handled those sorts of things incredibly incredibly well. Right, and this I think is actually a good time to segue into my one moments. So I'm gonna go and pick up here. So my the one moment for me, and it's funny because this changed for me. I did my playthrough of this game earlier in 2022 and so to refresh myself i watched mason's playthrough and there was one moment that really stuck with me after i watched it during one of the later episodes in the show the broadcast is called the sterility and it's called that because in the fallout of the nuclear detonation there is a i think it's a 75 percent or an 80 percent sterility rate among the population and on this particular broadcast it is bring your daughter to work day and so the main anchor of the show at this point is megan wolf and she has an adoptive daughter named stacy generally the episode is kind of all over the place they really paint stacy in a sort of a moody teenager sort of light there's a lot of ideas of like the political turmoil that's going on in the backgrounds while they're also trying to play it off as this like happy-go-lucky everything's going to be okay you know we're the news but really we're here for your entertainment we're here to like make sure that you're having a good time and then at the end of the episode they have this segment called last remarks i believe is the name of it and since it's bring your daughter to work day megan gives stacy the honors of getting last remarks and this At this point, you've seen a lot of the horrible things that the advanced government can do. You've seen what they're capable of. And then Stacy's last moment monologue is her talking about how living at an orphanage was so genuinely horrible before advance came into power. And then when they came into power, her life genuinely changed for the better. The orphanage got the funding that they needed. The the workers there were replaced with people that actually genuinely cared about the well-being of the kids that were living there. And even on li- what they call Liberation Night, which is the night of the nuclear detonation, she talks about how she has a support network of people that were able to confide in each other and support each other and she only had she had that group of people because advance had put social systems in place that allowed her to meet those people and there's something so gut-wrenching about the fact that despite all of the horrible things that you've watched this government do there are people on the ground there are people that have been left behind by the rest of society that have been profoundly had their lives changed for the better. And you are put face to face with that in a way that you have to reckon with as you are nearing the end of the game. And now you're kind of left with, is it 
am I do just just that it's always that idea of am I doing the right thing? That's the thing that's like constantly buzzing in the back of your mind, regardless of how you start the game and advance does some crazy things that can turn on a dime when you get to liberation night and the nukes go off and then they just sucker they sucker you back into it with this monologue and it's so masterfully done for me i think that that moment really ties together a theme that is kind of pulled out in the background it's a thread that they kind of pull out in the background the entire game mostly by jeremy donaldson which is what doesn't make the news there there's a kind of struggle that goes on between Megan and Jeremy, the two anchors of the news program that you run, where they'll read through the stories for the night at the beginning of every broadcast. And Megan will go like, oh, these are fun. And Jeremy will go, well, didn't you hear about this, this, and this? Why aren't we talking about this? Why doesn't this make the news? And it kind of, in my game, kind of got left as a loose thread for a while because Jeremy Donaldson ended up biting it. At the end of the game, now you're brought face-to-face with this moment. Hey, here's something that didn't make the news. Advance genuinely made a lot of people's lives wonderfully better. Brought them up from squalor. And you hear about it in advanced propaganda. But hearing about things in advanced propaganda after Liberation Night kind of makes you second think it. I, I thought it was so... I thought that was so wonderful. I I completely agree. And it's... I think where they put it in the game is the perfect play because we haven't talked about Disrupt much and I it it becomes relatively clear who exactly Disrupt is later in the game and I think that's more like why we haven't talked about it as much but when you're playing through the game and your choices are Advance or Disrupt it's really easy to emotionally, like, I think this moment is the perfect example of a personal philosophy I struggle with. Well, I, I don't really struggle with, but I struggle with talking to other people about how statistics and anecdotes affect people. Right. Because, you know, there's anecdotes about you know, small town crime increasing. There's more people and there's more crime. And then if you look at like America's crime statistics over the past like 10 years, overall crime has just gone down. And for me, I was very on Disrupt's side at this point of the game because I was upset my daughter died. I didn't trust them with the death camp. Well, not death camps. Uh, uh, euthanasia centers. Yeah, the euthanasia centers. It's weird, right? But then, and you keep siding with Disrupt, or I kept siding with Disrupt. And I got to this point and I'm like, oh no, I did the thing I argue with people about, you know? I, because another thing they talk about is how, like, you know, there's increased types of policing advance does throughout the game which i don't like and don't trust they also change their prison system which is a thing i personally (laughs) desperately want you know they go through the effort of trying to address criminal behavior behavior in a much more humane way if you trust the propaganda and what they talk about yeah in my playthrough i never really got to experience exactly how the prison systems were changed it's only just mentioned and implied but it's like i'm going through these things and these are things that i want 
but this country has effectively taken over an entire continent through only force. Yeah. And <laughs> it, I, it's hard to think about. Am so I doing you, the right thing? Yeah, so to give you some context, Michael, in my ending, I went for full pro-advanced propaganda. Jeremy Donaldson survived in my playthrough, whereas Alan did not. And at the end, Jeremy is sent off to one of the rehabilitation centers and comes back as a very pro-advance stance, which leads you to believe that prisons, and there may be varying degrees of the prisons, are essentially propaganda centers mm-hmm. that turn people into a more pro-advance uh, stance. Pro-advance, have pro-advance beliefs. So yeah, I, I just... And I agree with you. I think this moment comes at the perfect time because the news isn't, as Mason said, the news isn't reporting on all the good things and the bad things. The news has become a farce, so to speak. It hasn't really devolved as much as it does in the finale, but it's heading in that direction and it's been heading that direction since the very first broadcast. But this is one of the few moments where you actually get regrounded in this is reality. This is what news should be like. And I think that it is an important reminder that it gives its audience before violently pulling it away from you in the finale. <laughs> I almost feel like the writers wanted a moment that they could frame outside of the usual comedy and jokes and lighthearted nature that a lot of the broadcasts are couched in. I feel like they wanted a moment you could sit alone, you the player, not the not the player character, could sit alone with someone and have the writer say to you, look how easy it is. You've been in control the entire time, but look, if we sit you alone with this person on the news and we just let them monologue, look how easy it is for you, your heart to be changed as well. Look how easy, look how effective propaganda is. We're going to pull your heartstrings and we're going to be damn good at it. It felt like that to me because Megan's daughter changed a lot of things I was thinking at that point in the game too. Buck, I know you were talking about anecdotes, you know, shouldn't take precedence in our mind over statistics, something I totally agree with you on. And it feels like a a sinister and underhanded thing that the writers are doing. Like, yeah, you know that, you know, that is the case. But look, look, we can just do this to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. This is going to get broadcast to millions of people. You know the full story, and we're going to change your mind. So think about all the people that don't. It's it's masterful. Sorry, it's just really funny at, up until this point how we've talked about all these like very serious things. And then at the end of the day, this game is a really a comedy first and foremost. And I reckon I should probably talk about my moment before we go too much farther because i assume the next thing we're going to be talking about is the end of the game right almost no, certainly I, th- I feel like we have lots of more things to talk about well, i yeah. have a lot to talk about. i have well, i have a but, whole page of notes i haven't even gotten to yet but go, go ahead go ahead yeah. but please yeah because my, my moment is earlier than any of these things so the moment where this game really hit and i was like ah my choices matter. I really need to consider what's going on, both in the incident system and the government thing, is there is a point early in the game 
I think it is, yeah, it's before Liberation Night. It is. And you work yourself into a coma because you, I did at least. I don't know if you can choose to not die, uh, not go no, into a coma. you get comad. You get yeah. comad regardless. <laughs> and you have a wild fever dream. The episode is called oh The Lockdown. Oh my god, this one. And... <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I, I freaked out out when sam was watching me play this you effectively end up in i wasn't sure this was a dream until the end of it because i didn't know if we i didn't know if we were just going into crazy town and that's where we were gonna be but at the end which is my moment i'm like okay this was a dream so you work through this broadcast that is wild and weird and screwed up and the first thing I want to mention about this whole thing is there are like a dozen iterations of this scenario that you can end up with just based on your choices this early in the game. And the way I had ended up, this whole scenario was weird and dark, and I had a children's song about how everyone was going to die and no one was going to be there for you. And at the end of this, Megan starts singing a song to you directly to alex she says hey alex this is for you and she just performs an entire song and you have to still do this like you're running the news and you still get ratings and stuff and for me the song was about how i had let down my wife and my son through what i did and only my daughter loves me and i only love my daughter after experiencing this, I was just like, okay, this game is very serious about how the way I choose to portray things and the decisions I make, they will affect what happens in this game. I've never seen anything exactly like this, where you make, you know, you've made a few dozen choices in the game up to this point. And the fact that the number of them that you can do that matter, that vary this particular scenario, which I recommend if you're not interested in replaying the game, at least looking into this, like I did after I beat the game, it is, it's crazy. Like there's, I think 12 outfits that Megan ends up wearing and just outfits for, for these scenes and then what song you get depends on how your family perceives you. That moment I thought about a lot until the Megan's Daughter moment. I yeah, it, I loved this broadcast. It was incredible. The And I I remember saying to Sam this entire time, like, uh, you didn't tell me this was like some kind of weird sci-fi thing where the toys come to life. I guess we're just doing that. I mean, it's fine, but I thought it was going to be more serious. And then Megan Wolf looked into the camera and was like, hey, remember, you love your daughter more than your son. And then I woke up and I was like, <laughs> what in the world? It was insane. It was absolutely crazy. When you realize, like, the implications of your character dreaming that is that that was something that your character thinks. That's something from the inside of your character's own mind. Alex is afraid he loves his daughter more than his son. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, my God. That's so dark. It, it's crazy how well the dream sequence is done in the context of the game. 
because the dream sequence in general is a trope that is has a negative connotation to it right but they pull it off so effectively because it's early on enough in the game where you're still like getting tonally set you're still trying to find the tonal like ground of what's going on and things have been relatively silly there's been weird things happening and all that so the idea that there could be like murderous robots you're like well i mean that isn't an impossible thing i think as far as i'm aware i mean the the way they establish it is like i just believed it because of everything else that had happened yeah me too and my first time playing through it i didn't even realize it was a dream until they showed you in the hospital and were, hey, you were out for a while. You okay? Is everything all right? I got, because I got to the part with Megan singing and I was like, something's wrong. I'm not exactly sure what, but there's no way this is actually happening on a news broadcast. But I had just enough of my suspension of disbelief to go along with it all the way through the end of that broadcast. I don't think we're going to talk about Sports Board, but man i what a <laughs> what a sequence let's talk let's talk about the comedy some let's talk about it because we haven't talked about the comedy almost at all yet and i think that's a really important part of this this title okay so have, oh go ahead go ahead go ahead buck buck is talking about um there's one sequence towards the beginning of the game called sports board where it is an imaginary sports game that they made up where I almost feel like they improvised a lot of that scene, the actors. Mm, but it, it is like. it is just nonsense. None of the rules make any sense. The goal of the game is to make sure that you don't throw a ball into a bucket. Your goal is to not get the ball in the bucket. Well, during during the sports round, there's multiple during rounds. The sports <laughs> round. There's multiple rounds. And it is one of the funniest bits I have ever seen in a video game. It is so perfect. I think the bits in the game are all very, very good. I mean, the the comedy just hits in the game. It's very well written. Whether it be like the <laughs> Dr. Sforsborg and Horgan's Ward in The Devil's Taint. I found really funny. I also liked the, the very badly made uh, propaganda plays. <laughs> the like, the notice board. Oh my god, the notice board was so good. I love the advertisements. I loved it. Oh man, crazy Neil. Neil's deals is incredible. I my my only thing with the comedy. I'm about to. This is like my biggest criticism of the game, and I don't know why I had to bring this up right in the middle of all the whimsy. But here we go. I guess my big my only my only complaint about the comedy in the game is that it sandwiches all of the very serious moments on both... It bookends them all in such a way that the serious moments never really get to breathe because it's all comedy all the way down. There are a lot of moments in the game where I was thinking to myself, I really want just a minute to sit with that last thing that happened. And then they would go on there and be like, all right, we're going to have our special musical guest. She's going to sing a song about jerking off advanced soldiers with this big prop penis gun so which is a good bit it's a good bit here's here's the thing for me at the core of this game to me at least the core of this game is about how news media has become a joke so to speak it's it's you know in, in a sense it's become 
too far departed from what the news should be. And over the course of this game, the news starts pretty pretty solid, pretty objective. A little like silly things happen, but the news itself is not the silly thing. But over the course of the game, the news becomes the joke. The news becomes pop culture and doing just interviews with celebrities and propaganda, like just literal propaganda. And so those serious moments end up hitting a lot harder because you become lost in. And I'm not saying you're wrong, Mason. This is just my take on it. Is that I get it. the reason? The reason why those serious moments hit so hard is like, oh yeah, I'm doing a news broadcast and this is actual news that we're bringing up now. I got caught up. I even I got caught up as a player in the whimsy of the world, the whimsy and the humor of the world that I forgot that I was supposed to be showing people the news. I think the way just, I I don't really have a real way to disagree with you, Mason, but like, I thought personally, the comedy stuff came in the right places, but that is also because I kind of just didn't pay attention to the ads when they were running. I was taking that time while the ad was running to process and not pay attention and get ready for the next thing or decide if I wanted to redo the thing. And then if I was actually going to watch the ads, I would do it in the ways. The rushes. Yeah, the rushes. And, you know, I do think one great thing about the comedy in this is just how it just, it always pays off. And they all set stuff up. Like, it won't pay off till later. Like, Jesus, the uh, guy who I completely censored for the government, like Mason did, the dude makes up this entire story about being raised in the streets. And you know, like, it's a funny bit. And then later, you find out he's a hotel heir. So, you know, he made up this whole story about being from the streets and whatever. And they put so much love into this world that they built and wanted to communicate to us in addition to the interesting political messages. And I, you know, I can I can definitely see why the, the humor of the game can turn that knob too far in the other direction. Cause can it I, is, can I give an example? Very over the top. Can I give yeah, an example of, of what I'm talking about? Right. So before a couple of broadcasts before liberation night, is right when the blockade has started and the broadcast holds a three-way panel between the prime ministers of advance and then a, an, a quote-unquote allied nation that's kind of this uh, like hippie, like very impotent world power, like Sweden type guy. And then this uh, other, this other enemy of us, of advance, that's this you know, foreign, I think he's supposed to be like Russian sounding guy in this three-way panel to describe, to talk about the blockade. And in the story of the game, this blockade is what is going to pave the way for the nuclear war to happen. The giant turn of the game, one of the most serious and gut-wrenching moments of the game. You know, the your political enemy, your foreign enemy, is like this weird guy that plays golf with the prime minister and makes like tiny dick jokes the whole time and they don't it's all the whole big thing is a bit you you can't read it as serious because none of it is played as serious the swedish person talks about like oh we uh we got rid of money and we replaced it with a trade of bodily fluids it's actually very forward thinking 
and it's meant to be a joke and every every line that the russian guy speaks is like oh you're you're like a little tiny penis man and it's like very clear that this is comedy but at the same time having the full picture i know that this is supposed to pave the way to the the nuclear war that is about to happen and i would like the opportunity to sit with that moment and think about like what might happen as a result of the world turning against advance but i don't get to because it's more bits and in some scenarios like with the jesus the tertiary stories i think it's perfectly fine to couch that squarely in bit comedy because the tone of the game is very whimsical in a lot of places but with mm. moments like that i'm just like i look back and i'm like ah i would like to have tensions rising a little more before the turn you know what i mean before the big the big turn i agree with that i agree with that i'll be honest that scene completely got erased from my mind i i completely forgot that happened and i understand exactly what you're saying there i don't know why i forgot so there's a lot lot. there's no shame in forgetting stuff it's a big funny game yeah there's a lot going on this just sidebar, this game has the Guinness Book of World Record for the most full motion video used in a video game at like 40-something hours. It's crazy. God almighty. <laughs> but I, I'm actually going to push back on you guys a little bit here. And I, I, because I, I know I'm the person who probably loves this game the most. To me, what that moment is supposed to be, one, is something you don't realize until later. Which is that the, and I'm trying to remember the name here, Peter Clement. Mm-hmm. Peter Clement is sort of the more level headed comedy duo, part of the duo of the Prime Ministers. I don't think we brought it up until this point. Like, I don't think we've really cl- painted a clear picture, but there are two Prime Ministers of the Advance Party. One of them is Peter Clement, who is sort of a drunk, goofy, oddball kind of guy that shouldn't be in charge of a country and then there's also julia who is a more i don't want to say standard politician but she is more stoic she is more kind of hardball part she kind of keeps peter on a leash so to speak she reigns him in i think is the best way to put it i think stoic is a good word for her she she's always very put together and even during a certain event where there's a like a pipe bomb that goes off in an advanced speech. She's always very aware of the camera and trying to be put together and things like that. And so and so part of this is later on in the story they allude to that Peter Clement was actually reigning in Julia and that mm. Julia is a, willing to do a lot more extreme political things without Peter around because Peter dies sometime after Liberation Night. And it is also strongly alluded to that Peter was not aware that Liberation Night was even happening. That that was completely Julia's doing. Peter was caught off guard by it. And in my when I played through it the first time, I actually thought that Peter died in Liberation Night and that they were covering it up. And apparently there's not even a canonical thing out there that about how peter died people assume it was due to alcoholism or something tied to his alcoholism since there's not a canonical thing i'm almost led to believe that it was a cover like liberation night he did die in liberation night because he was traveling abroad because he alludes to in this scene that he 
uh, can still do that despite the blockade because he's oh, a person right. of political power. So that he traveled abroad, got caught up in the nukes because he wasn't aware of it, and then they covered it up as something else and built the memorial gardens to make it seem like he was still a person of very important political intrigue. Mm. Regardless, the fact that it is Peter Clement in the scene is kind of why I feel like it ends up getting played silly, whereas I think if we had Julia, it would have had that more serious tone that you're looking for. But Peter and the Russian or you know some kind of Eastern European, I would assume, is what they're going for individual are good friends and so they're just playing it as a bit for the news to make sure that people are not like too stressed out about it like they're they're being catty with each other about the the situation rather than being like a hard political debate about the ethical ramifications of a european union or united nations sort of power building a blockade on a country that is as far as we've seen, trying to make the lives of its citizens better. Mm. That's how I approached a lot of the things in this game. Is like, yes, it feels like in the situation they should be taking this seriously. But now that I have been departed from the game a while and had time to think about the choices that they made, I even if I don't necessarily like them 100% of the time, I can understand what they were going for and i think in hindsight it works a lot better than it might in the moment and and i mean to credit to your point i will say that my criticism mainly applies to until about one broadcast after liberation night at which point the tone kind of shifts to be more serious however that comp that comprises like 75 ish percent of the game now Something I think it's interesting to talk about here, considering what we just talked about, is how incredibly hard to read Julia is. Yeah, absolutely. Because mentioning, going back to the disrupt attack you were talking about, Mason, with the pipe bomb at the, it was at the Peter... At the Peter Clement Memorial Garden. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When you're watching that scene, she is it is it an act or not it does because you know she's telling them don't fire while while you're at, i i don't know if it changes based on certain things but when i was what what i went through she is like don't retaliate don't fire disrupt are just going after her from what i could tell the reason people got shot at that is because they were just going to kill Julia, and she she wasn't trying to just preserve herself, which was so weird considering uh, nuclear bombs. <laughs> I I didn't understand what was going on there. It, it's so, it, and I love it because it's it's like this is how I would ex- sort of expect someone who is a, an unpopular political leader to behave of where they are putting themselves in the smoke of mirrors. I think I think you have to when you think about Julia's actions during that scene, I think the easy thing to do is to say is this sincerely how she is? Is she really this selfless and willing to sacrifice herself for advance or is she saying and doing this because she knows the cameras are rolling? Mm-hmm. And I I think it could be that we're meant to think of it as 
a bit of both mm-hmm. because we're we I mean we know when the cameras aren't running when Julia's just left to her own devices she will literally end the world but when the cameras are rolling you see this like very well put together you see this image of the platonic Julia you know what I, I mean does that make sense <laughs> yeah it's great she's such wonderful. a wonderfully written character there's one character though that we haven't really talked about yet that is one of my favorites oh are you talking and about alan no, 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 no god we haven't even talked about alan what oh f- we haven't we haven't talked about this we, at all. we haven't oh, talked about jeremy donaldson no. oh we haven't talked about jeremy my who's, beautiful boy who's basically the centerpiece of the first half of the game and really is to me, the soul of the game. So Jeremy Donaldson is the anchor of the National Nightly News, which is the program that you were running the Switchboard for. Uh, Ends up having Megan Wolf become his co-anchor. And Jeremy is sort of the level-headed one throughout everything. He's he's open to new ideas, but he's always you know skeptical of how things are going to work out. He's like what you would consider... I almost want to say like sort of like a Walter Cronkite type where it's like I'm giving people I want to give people the news. I want to make sure that they are getting what they need out of the news. And as the National Nightly News begins to devolve, he bemoans how far the news program has fallen to the point where in one of the episodes there are disrupt guards in the news studio and he pulls out the gun from one of the officers and holds the studio hostage and just tries everything he can to just get a little bit of actual news broadcast to the people of the world because they were doing a segment on people with strange medical conditions and he just found it so personally insulting. And so what makes Jeremy such an awesome character to me and why I connected with him so hard is because, well, it's because he's the only person that feels grounded in all of this situation. He's he's the only one that really holds his ground as to what the news needs to be, whereas everyone is, every, almost everyone else is totally willing to go along with, oh, we'll just become a propaganda slash entertainment machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he wants to be a journalist and, you know, he wants to remain unbiased, which I think, you know, he, he wants to have some kind of morals and skeptics. He is very skeptic of everything. And uh, I think they really intend for, I think, the average person to play the game to kind of see themselves in Jeremy. I don't want to say they should, they are implying their people should aspire to be Jeremy, but I think Jeremy is like the center point, the centerpiece of the game. And I think some endings really uh, demonstrate that. Yeah, I think Jeremy has a lot of complaints about news broadcasting that we, that everyone has voiced at one point or another, right? Why are they playing these fluff pieces? Why are we not talking about the news that matters? And it it feels very impactful coming from him because he's he's the news anchor. Jeremy actually like okay. So for listeners, it is possible when Jeremy takes the news station hostage 
it is possible for him, unsurprisingly, to be killed by the police during that segment. That's what happened in my run. I understand it didn't happen for you two? Yeah. No, so essentially the, the choices you get are you are instructed to cut from the cameras by one of the tech people. Uh, so you can either cut to commercial, which basically means you don't know Jeremy's fate until the next broadcast where they tell you that he's been arrested. Or if you don't cut, then Jeremy continues to stand off with the police and gets shot. Or, as I've been told, can commit suicide. I see. I think that broadcast really crystallized one of the things that I found absolutely fascinating and wonderful about how they wrote the game. Especially with regards to my specific playthrough. Which is that I was so you're you you feel in control as the person at the switchboard. Every single choice I made, I felt like I made everything worse. The entire game was basically the story of how everything spiraled out of control, and I was like completely unfit to do what I was doing. And it, you know, I do all of these things in the news to put advance in charge. And then advance causes a nuclear war. And then I think, okay, I'll go be, I'll give some airtime to disrupt. And then I get shown a videotape near the end of the game that's like, oh, here's disrupts leaders. And then you play it and they're all talking about how they're going to ethnically cleanse your country once they take over. And it's like, okay, well now I did this too. Great. And Every, you know, the those are the two big points, but every point along the way was like, oh, I got Jeremy Donaldson killed. Oh, I you know, I caused the nuclear war because of a choice I made that I didn't understand the ramifications of at this other point in the game. It is it is crazy. It it was at it it, it gave me whiplash. It was so great how despite being in control in in theory you i felt like very powerless at a lot of points in the game and i hate to cut our discussion short on jeremy but we do need to talk a little bit of alan and i know we're starting to run short on time so to lead us into the discussion about alan um alan sort of towards the start is played as an alex jones type of character would you guys agree with that yeah, absolutely. He literally okay. shows up to the first broadcast. He shows up in with a tinfoil hat. Yeah. So Alan Jones, or is it is it Jones? <laughs> Regardless, um, Alan is sort of a played as like a conspiracy theorist person towards the beginning of the game, and then ends up being the mouthpiece of Disrupt at, after Disrupt kind of begins to form themselves and to lead us into this discussion. I have pulled up the script for the episode, The Fallout, which is Alan's first appearance. And I would like to just read you two uh, a few of the things that he says, because you may not have been thinking about them at this up until this point. He says, it's all in my book. Alan James is right, Jeremy. We're, be- we're to become the great herd. Ignorant, sterile, and short-lived. That's what they want. And in- then later on, he says, that's right, Katie. War is inevitable, and this will not be a war like we've ever seen before. We're talking millions of deaths. We're talking high-tech weapons that can level entire cities. And then it goes on. Jeremy, but when they murder your parents, and they poison your food, and they take away you to their camps for hypno-brainwashing, who will be laughing then? 
Son of a bitch. He did. He got us. He got us all. Alan James was right. Literally, to some degree, these are all things that happen later on in the game. Mm -hmm. What incredible foreshadowing by the writers. Holy cow. And that is something I realized on my second playthrough. As I started my second playthrough, I got to that and I was like, they literally just told us everything that's going to happen in this game. And we play it off because he's a conspiracy theorist and we'll never believe him. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. I, I, and I, I want to know I couldn't a, believe a, it. A dislikable conspiracy theorist. Like yeah. it is entirely you know, and Jeremy doesn't even like him, right? Because he's just trying to shill his book. <sighs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. I'm just realizing that now. That's so cool. They do such a good job of taking Alan from being this big conspiracy nuts to just a genuine leader of a resistance front who doesn't understand what he's fighting for anymore. He, in turn, in getting caught up in his conspiracy, he, in turn, has ended up swept up in a place where he doesn't understand the leadership he's working for. Alan is like a little bit of a microcosm of the conspiracy theorist to far-right pipeline, almost. It, it's he's, he's a conspiracy theorist at the beginning, and then he's... He's he says to himself, you know, I'm going to fight back against this corruption. I'm going to make a change. And then he becomes a tool for these far right powers that be. Mm-hmm. He's actually he, super wonderfully written. That's like one of the things that I think the game handles so well is the character work better than anything. And as it should, as you would expect, because it's an almost 100 percent character work game. But they it's an absolute masterclass on it. It's really crazy. It, I cannot believe how well fleshed out, how well written the storylines of all of the main cast are in this game. The arcs that the characters go on throughout the story is nothing short of just immaculate, honestly. Even si- even side characters, even minor characters. I Once Jeremy Donaldson died in my playthrough i had to watch this unnamed uh or i don't think she's unnamed i had to watch this makeup girl that just did makeup for megan and jeremy who had been somewhat flirting with jeremy donaldson like lament his passing and grieve over him i was like whoa i'm i was ready for this it's 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 a lot to reckon with and even it's interesting because even characters that end up sort of being played in for jokes so during the peter clem memorial garden broadcast one of the field reporters uh, ends up on camera spouting anti-Julia sentiments. Mm-hmm. The The camera cuts to black, and then he is replaced with just what I assume is a random person they picked off the street that they could put in front of a camera and say nice things about Julia. And it's played for laughs, and like obviously she's incompetent. And then at the end, in the finale, she's one of the co-anchors. She's just a normal part of the show now. She just has Patrick's name. She yeah. just Yeah, the subtitles just Patrick say Patrick. The- that was the best part is the subtitles label her as Patrick. It's great. And there are so many little moments. There's just like so many little highlights that if we were to sit here and talk through all the moments, we could easily fill up like two more episodes of a podcast. Now, can we talk about the endings we got? Yeah absolutely i've already shared a little bit of mine so i'll let you two go first after you 
All right. So the ending I got, uh, Alan was alive. Jeremy was alive. And what happens is we're in the last broadcast. There is no news. And they're not even trying to be news anymore. This is a show that we're putting on. And as we're putting on this show throughout it, we hear about Disrupt still existing, still trying to do something. And Disrupt breaks in. And... Uh, very shortly after they finish breaking in and taking over things and Julia and Alan stand off, Jeremy reveals himself to still uh, be around and is here. And they get Julia to confess that they've been blaming the sterility on the nu- nuclear weapons. But as Alan told us, they poisoned our food. And this clearly, obviously upsets Megan and probably the rest of the country, and Julia tries to make an excuse about how they'll be out of resources or whatever. And I think they make it pretty obvious you probably shouldn't trust either side in this game. But to really bring it home, uh, Alan tries to stop Jeremy from showing a body cam of him meeting with the leaders of Disrupt. And Jeremy sits there talking to the leaders of Disrupt, and Jeremy is like, where is y'all's money coming from? And they literally just say, you know, uh, we deal drugs, we traffic humans, etc. So forth, you know, the literal worst things that these powers can be. And, you know, they just want to go back to abusing the lowest common denominator of humanity. And what ends up happening is as we expose this to the entire nation... Uh, Julia, who had stopped elections, steps down effectively and elections happen and no one goes after Disrupt or Advance because it's clearly obvious that they're both cartoon villains effectively, right? And what ends up happening is this uh, hyper-centrist party, which I am, you know... It's the first centrist party I've uh, ever agreed with because, I mean, the we're actually <laughs> the alternatives are so bad. Um, ends up coming to power, and Jeremy and Megan are doing the national nightly news again. And I was uh, kind of pretty happy with that. Yeah. I would, I would consider that's like one of the. I don't think there's necessarily like a good ending in this game, but that's like one of the better ones you can get. Oh, my ending, another one of the great endings in the game, was called Chaos Reigns. <laughs> so if Jeremy dies and Alan James is alive towards the end of the game, Alan will storm the studio in a second disrupt attack and basically hold the broadcast hostage as well as Julia. Julia comes in for an interview. Alan James attacks the news broadcast and Julia says, all right, well, go ahead and play a tape that uh, we got from surveilling on the folks funding your disrupt movement. You, I played it and it showed that the disrupt, as I, as I described earlier, the disrupt leaders were this like far right fascist gang of like shadowy world leaders included in them was the Russian uh, funny small penis guy from earlier in the game. And they talked about like ethnically cleansing 
the country, once Disrupt takes over, keeping Alan alive as a useful puppet until they can get rid of him. Uh, Alan eventually tries to assassinate Julia before he learns that Advance has also infiltrated the Disrupt group. He has been given a, a weapon with blanks in it, and then he gets arrested. This, Since it's all broadcast, though, the public favor turns against both Advance and Disrupt, and the country descends into complete anarchy. It is, it is wild. Remember earlier when I was talking about how every decision I made seemed to make everything worse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't stop. That never stopped. It only, I, it the, only continued. I, I broke down society to a fundamental level back to the basically the Stone Age. Yeah. I ruined everything. Yeah. And so in my playthrough, because I was going full advance propaganda because I just wanted to see how far it would go. I didn't play the tape that was essentially in the last broadcast. There is a tape that Bozeman, who is your boss, puts on the table next to you is like, I want you to play this tape and it's from Disrupt. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I didn't. Uh, And essentially nothing bad happens. And then uh, Jeremy gets sent off to like a propaganda rehabilitation camp and shows back up and is reintegrated into the new NNN program just like as a full member who just loves the whimsy and entertainment of it all and it's very very sad because i love jeremy but it's it also is was really well thought out and i actually actually really appreciated that they that was the angle they went for if you did that those re those re-education camps are no joke during my playthrough my son became a, a cop and he would, I knew they were bad news because he, I would like pick him up from cop school and I'd be like, he would be like, oh, hey, I've been recruited into this new initiative. And I said to him like, oh, that sounds not great. And my son was like, hey, you better watch it with language like that or you're going to get helped. And I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you use that word? <laughs> it's really potent. Mm-hmm. Um. So as we kind of, Approaching the end here, any last thoughts, any wrap-up things y'all would like to say on NFB? I know that I have talked about a lot of criticisms I had in the game, about the game, but I will say this is damn near a masterpiece if it isn't one. Um, It's an incredibly, incredibly good game, and I thoroughly enjoyed playing it, and I will probably play it again just to get more endings and see all the different branching pathways the, the ability to, or the choices truly, truly matter in the game, which is so rare, and the writing is done incredibly well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, if I were to uh, X play grade this, this would be a 5 out of 5. There are things I don't like about this game, uh, but uh, whatever, it's great. It's one of the best games I've played in a long time. Uh, please play it if you haven't, even though yeah. we just spoiled most of it. Yeah. So if you would like to play Not For Broadcast, it is only available on Steam. It is only available to play on Windows currently. So if you're looking to indulge in it and don't have that platform available to you, obviously there's plenty of Let's Plays, Long Plays, and other videos available out there to you. I highly, highly recommend them. Recommend interacting with this piece of media in some way if you are able to. 
this has been level zero literacy uh next time we will be diving into something that i expect we will have a lot to say on which is disco elysium all right yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be great (laughs) so if you want to keep up with the games that we are playing that is what we will be playing on our next episode and thank you all for listening have a wonderful day